please give your attention to the screen for a short video here. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. And sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. From whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Church. The communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body. And the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for your attention to that short video here. We're starting a new series today, and today's going to serve mainly just as an intro to the series for the sake of time, and, and I think you guys will be blessed in this because I don't have a lot of a voice. I've been drinking a lot of water, and we have a business meeting and lunch after this, so um, you might get away with a little bit shorter of a sermon than normal. But today we're starting a new series, and let me just read this to you in Mark 9, verse 24. We read this, it says, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. Today we're talking about belief. We're talking about what do we believe. And you saw this video intro reading aloud the words to the Apostles' Creed. And we're going to be looking to and, and studying the Apostles' Creed quite a bit over the next few months. But before you get overly excited in one way or the another, I want to say this. The Apostles' Creed is going to serve as a springboard, as a springboard off of the statements found in that about what we believe to spring into God's Word, into Scripture, which is where the true power comes from. The true power, the true authority is God's Word and God Himself found in the Trinity of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have great power in all of this. You see, the Creed is great, and I love I love that video at the very end, how it said, together we believe. And I was so tempted to cut that video off short because it kind of went on after the guy was done talking. And it just focused on the church, the body with their hands raised. And, but the video's done. So I was tempted to cut it off. And then I just saw this great and glorious thing of seeing the church body together we believe. And it just focused on the church. And that's us. You see, too often we're so focused on our disagreements, or our debates, or our, our differences of opinion to where we fail to stand together on the things which truly matter. What do we believe? Now, I've talked about this before in the past with hills to die on. We should have hills to die on of what we believe. And then there's other things which we can debate until Jesus comes and, and we're with him for all of eternity. But... But there's things which we won't know until we meet him. And then there's things which we won't know until we meet him in person. And then we won't even care about it anymore because we're there in front of God, the Father Almighty. But there's things which truly matter with what we believe. 
and some of these are outlined in the Apostles' Creed. Other things I'll fully recognize are not in the Apostles' Creed. So, for instance, the Creed is a great summary of what the Bible teaches and some of our foundational beliefs, but it does not address some essential doctrines like the um, authority of Scripture, the depravity of man, or the deity of Christ, or the means of salvation, or justification by faith. But it addresses so many other great things which we can springboard into God's word to see and to learn what do we believe. What do we truly believe? Now, the creed is also old, isn't it? It's over 1,500 years old. But despite these things, that it doesn't include everything, despite the fact that it's old, some of us are getting older, and we're still useful, aren't we? The Apostles' Creed is still useful as it's a great summary for us of what we believe. And it leads us into God's word to truly give us the authority and the power and the story behind what we believe. So we're going to be looking at the Apostles' Creed. And as Al Mueller, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary president says, he says, all Christians believe more than what is contained in the, in the Apostles' Creed, but none can or should believe less. We say that again, all Christians believe more than what is contained in the Apostles' Creed, but none should believe less. The Apostles' Creed, to some of you, these very words might kind of shake you up a bit. To some of you, depending on your religious background, your denominational background, I don't know all your backgrounds, some of you this might confuse. Some of you this might scare. Some of you this might excite as maybe you grew up in a different faith background and you, you grew up reciting this Apostles' Creed, memorizing this creed, stating this creed at nighttime or before bed or on a Sunday morning or in prayers. I didn't grow up with this Apostles' Creed, but I can see the power behind it. Now, I want to say behind it, not in it. There is power in the words, but the power comes behind it. It's in God's word itself. So some of you... Maybe you grew up in a Catholic background, a Lutheran background, a Methodist background. Maybe you grew up in a Baptist background, but maybe it was an old-time Baptist background. Or a new, more modern background, more modern Baptist, which would say there is no creed but Jesus. There's no creed but the Bible, and we shouldn't even be talking about the creed. And that's why I start off saying, to some of you, this might scare. This, to some of you, this might frustrate. To some of you, it might excite, and oh, I'm so glad we're talking about the Apostles' Creed, because that, that means so much to me. But before we go any further, let me tell you this. The very word creed in Latin simply, simply means, I believe. I believe. The word creed comes from Latin meaning, I believe. So, we might be talking about the Apostles' Creed. But I don't want it to overshadow or outshadow the true meaning behind the creed. It's not about the apostles. It's not about these words which, which don't have power. It's about God's word. And may the apostles' creed, as we study it over the next few months and we learn what do we believe, may it lead you to God and his word. The apostles' creed was labeled the apostles' creed not because it's all about them, but because it's all about what they taught and what they taught from Christ's life. The Apostles' Creed can be useful, useful to us in several ways then. Number one, the creed was used and still can be used today 
as a public statement of faith. Back then, it was often a standardized way that people could confess in their faith in Jesus Christ as they looked to these statements. But a number, number, another number of why this is useful is back in this day, a lot of people could not read or write. A lot of people could not go to a weekly attendance at the temple or of spiritual teaching. So this was a way that disciples could teach one another what to believe in, and they could memorize these statements to be able to live by. That's kind of convicting in itself that, that they live by these statements as they recognize what they believe. Because I think about our own lives, I think if we were to walk around and tell people, hey, let me tell you what I believe, and we read these statements to people, would they actually see this in our life? Or a little bit different spoken could be, if we just ask somebody, what do you think we believe? Would they be able to say these things to us? Or would they say, oh, I believe you love hunting. You, you love football. You love your NCIS TV show. I like NCIS. Um, you like to read. I mean, there's many things we believe in, but do they actually see that, what the things that you believe in that truly matters? You see, what we believe in either leads us into an everlasting life with God and hope, or what we believe in leads into an everlasting life of despair and of no hope. What do we believe in? But a few more numbers of why the, the creed can be useful. The creed anchored Christian faith to a tradition to make it difficult for people or churches to be led astray by false doctrines because they could compare it to that and then they could compare that to the Holy Word of God. Next, number three or four, the creed was a preaching and teaching tool giving an outline for further discipleship of the people within the church body. And next, I just want to say, within the Bible itself, we have many creed-like statements. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says this, Yet for us there is but one God, but one Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Now there's many other statements amongst the Bible, around the Bible, that could be creed-like statements that we could say in faith. And that's where, that's where these statements are founded, is from God's word. The forefathers of the church, they... They knew that we needed something to bind us together to stand upon, to be able to protect the church, to be able to protect us from false teaching. So they founded these statements based off the word of God. Now we'll get into these statements more later. There's some statements that will be really hard to work through and to study. Now that could be for multiple reasons. Um, I'll get to that a little bit, but I do want to say this. Creed means I believe. We all believe in something, but I think we need to give some more thought and some more study time to what do we believe and why. We believe in good things, we believe in bad things, but does our life and our beliefs lead to a life of an everlasting life of hope, or does what we believe lead to a life of despair? Does what we believe show to others around us and do we have a way of focusing our belief statements in a way which leads people to God, which teaches people, which supports your faith, and what grows people in their faith? 
for the next generation. Now, this goes for both us and them. Let me move on a little bit in my slides here. The Apostles' Creed can be a tool, a tool to teach, support, and grow your faith both within you and to the next generation. That's why I want, to, I want you to see. But I cannot stress it enough that unlike what some of you may have heard in other denominational backgrounds, in other religions, in other faith backgrounds, from other pastors, I will not be preaching this from the standpoint that there is power specifically in these statements. The power is in the word of God. And that's where we will go to, as I say, as we preach through this series, I'm not preaching the creed. I'm preaching God's word. So we're going to be springboarding from the creed each week into God's word. So as we talk about, I believe in the Father Almighty God, the Father God Almighty, we're going to go into God's word and look to who is the Father God Almighty? Who is the creator of the heaven and the earth? Who is the Son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again, descended into hell and rose up to heaven? And like I said... There's going to be some hard statements to talk about. I heard one pastor talk about the creed in this way, Matt Chandler. I love this illustration, so I'll share it with you. He talked about the creed being like the moon. You see, people love to be amazed by the moon as they look up to the moon in the sky, and they think, oh, wow, the moon is just so beautiful tonight. It's so colorful. Maybe they say it's so bright and shining. Look how much, it's, uh, how much light it's illuminating for us to see tonight. But there's the problem. You see, the moon is not really what's illuminating. It's the sun. The moon is a giant reflector of the sun's beams. And as this pastor said, he said, the moon lets you know that the sun is there. And that's like what the Apostles' Creed is. The Apostles' Creed lets you know about God's word being there. There is a place for the Apostles' Creed still today. I truly believe that. But we need to use it to, to lead us to where the true light the true power comes from. Now, the same thing can be told for us. We, too, are like those moons. We're meant to be many, many, many moons to illuminate, well, I'm sorry, to reflect the light of Christ, to illuminate this world for people to see him, to see him. So we're going to use the Apostles' Creed to look into the Word of God to see what the Word of God says about these statements. And I said a few times now that some of these statements are going to be hard. For example, God the Father Almighty. That's a hard one to teach about. Now, I don't mean hard as in hard. I mean hard because it's never ending. We could study the attributes of God for entire lives, and we still would never have a full grasp on who God is. He go, his, his very nature goes beyond our own understanding. But we're going to look to the Father God Almighty and just understand we're spending one or two weeks on each statement and we're going to then continue on to just learn more about these things throughout our entire life and praise God that we can. How about the next one, creator of heaven and earth? That's another hard one as well. Another thing which we can continue to look to for entire lives. And scientists still today try to understand and explain these things away. But there's just certain things that we'll never be able to explain because we're not him. We're not God. And that's okay. Like I said, one day we'll get to meet him. And then it won't matter to us, will it? We'll just be praising God for being in his presence and having that everlasting life, everlasting hope. So I want to read the Apostles' Creed to you now as we talk a little bit more. And 
probably only talk about another 10 more minutes introducing this topic, I promise. But at the very end of the service today, I am going to ask us to read this together. And if that scares you, I'm sorry, you can stand with us and you can just stand and nobody will notice that you're not saying it. But I do encourage you and I challenge all of you, when we do read those statements together, don't be afraid to claim it. Claim what you believe, proclaim, profess what you believe. These are all statements that we should believe in. So let me read this. We'll talk some more. Actually, I've got it up on the screen for you. You don't have to repeat after me this, this time. Um, I did have a nice little slide there showing the sun and the moon. I'm just losing track of my slides today. I'm sorry. But here's the statements in the Apostles' Creed, about over 1,500 years old. And these statements are so, so powerful still today. I believe in God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, I believe, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell, and as one pastor said, and I agree with, that's going to be a really fun one to teach on, isn't it? That's going to be hard. But the third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended to heaven, and he sits on the right hand, at the right hand of the Father Almighty. Again, Father Almighty. Whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now I said there's going to be some hard topics to preach on. I already know, and I'm just going to address it. That's going to be one of those hard topics to address in a Baptist church. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. But we're going to preach through these things together. And we're going to recognize there's a different meaning here. We're not talking about I believe in the Catholic Church on Main Street in Bloomer, Wisconsin. What we're talking about is the communion of saints. All of us being united together in the Church of Christ. But we'll be talking more about that in a future week. I'll just prepare you for that now. But... There are, there's a word in there, or two words in there, which are just so explosive with power that we have to recognize it. And that's what we're focusing on for the rest of today. I believe. I believe. You see, by those two words, I believe, it leads to a miraculous power of God and the power of the cross to have that everlasting life of hope that we mentioned. But depending on what you believe in, those two words can also lead to despair. What do we believe in? What do we believe in? Let me catch up on my notes here. Those words, I believe, may open the door to eternal life and to the foundations of our Christian faith, or they could lead to a life of despair. And it's kind of all depending on what we're going to choose to place our belief in. What do we choose to place our belief in? I believe, and I put expanded version here because I added some words to it. I believe that the Apostles' Creed can be a tool to teach, a great tool to teach, to support, and to grow your faith to within both you and the next generation. But notice what I added here. As you support the statements with the knowledge and power from God's word, the Bible. 
And that's the problem. Anytime we try and supplement God's word with something else, it doesn't have the power. So we need to recognize where the power comes from. We need to allow these statements to lead us into God's word. The creed will not only empower you to know what you believe, but also it will offer you confidence by detailing the foundations for that belief. Romans 10, 9 to 10 says this, if you're taking notes, Romans 10, 9 to 10, I'm going to focus on that for a little bit to talk about what we believe. Because, actually I do have it here, if you declare with your mouth, or if you confess with your mouth, depending on your translation in front of you, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. What you believe in may lead to an everlasting life of hope, or what you believe in may lead to an everlasting life of despair. What do we believe in? I think that's important for us to consider. And as you look to this Romans 10, 9 to 10, we see what we should be believing in that will give you life and that will give you salvation, that will, sa will save you. And as we talk about this, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. We see some guidelines for us. Now, there, with this statement, we are repenting. We're admitting our sinful nature, our sinful selves. We're admitting that we need Jesus. We need God. We need the cross. And it's by grace alone that we're saved. We can be the best person in the world. It doesn't matter. We're never good enough to hold up to God's, God's rightful standards. We needed Jesus to die for us, to restore that relationship by forgiving us of our sins. But we see some other things here. For it is with your heart that you believe, notice the believe, and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It's with your mouth that you profess that you, your faith. We profess with our mouth what we believe in, and we're saved. Not by our own doing, but by Jesus Christ. Now, but I want to encourage you. I talked earlier about what we believe in. Do people see? Do they know what we believe in? Have we ever told our neighbors, who we should be mentoring as we are challenged earlier, what we believe in? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heavens and earth, the Son Jesus who died and rose again, descended to hell and ascended to heaven. Have we professed that? Have we professed our faith? Not just to Christ, to God, that's the number one, but to others around us. I believe in. What we believe in either leads to everlasting life or to everlasting life of despair. We have a message to, to tell the world, to tell our neighbors around us, and to lead them into that everlasting life instead of the everlasting life of despair. They need the hope that we have. And here's the other thing I want to talk about with this Romans 10. Notice it says believe. If you believe. It doesn't say no. It doesn't say if you know in your heart that God raised. It doesn't say if you know. It says believe. So I want to just say the differences between believe and know. And, and here's what I think. If you believe, if you truly believe, believing is a life-altering thing which will, which will connect your heart, your soul, your mind, 
and in your body, or it will unite you together to recognize a change that must take place. If you simply know, simply knowing the knowledge doesn't change you. So let me give you this illustration. I know that I should have mowed my lawn a couple weeks ago. Many of you might say that, oh, I know I should mow my lawn today, but I just don't feel like it. And guess what? You don't do it. I know that I should eat more vegetables, and maybe I wouldn't be talking like this. I know I should exercise more. I know I should call and talk to my mom more back in Ohio. There's many things we could say that, that we know to be true, but it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to change our lives and do those things. But notice the relation to the Apostles' Creed then. It doesn't say, I know that God is the Father Almighty. It says, I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe, I believe, I believe. And these statements should lead us to a life of change. A changed life that's totally dedicated to God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and God's Word as truth. Believing in statements like the Apostles' Creed remind us of the foundational truth of God's Word. And it helps us to answer those questions of life by people like the Philippian jailer, where he says, what must I do to be saved? And now you have this great summary of what you believe and what you can tell them to believe and what leads you into God's word with them. But again, don't allow the Apostles' Creed to be by itself. Open God's word in front of them, with them, and read it to them, read it with them. Have them read it with you and talk to them about what you believe. Here's some take-home for you as we start to wrap up. And this was a quote by Matt Chandler from his study on this I just loved. It says, culture has changed. Church beliefs shouldn't. I thought that was powerful. Culture has changed. Church beliefs shouldn't. I believe in question mark. You believe in question mark. What should we believe? We should believe in God's word. God's word is true. It is powerful. And it is life-changing. Next. What you believe in and claim either brings life or despair. I've said that a few times, so I hope you've got it already in your notes. But what you believe in and claim either brings life or despair. And I want to read this briefly to you. Um, I was going to show that to you after. Does what you believe in show on the outside? Does it help to teach, support, and grow your faith in the next generation around you? I want to read to you from Acts chapter 17, and we, I'm not going to spend any time on this. We're wrapping up for our lunch, but I think this is powerful to help illustrate this, and we'll talk about it more in a future week. I encourage you, write down Acts 17, 22 to 28 in your notes, and you can read it this week on your own. It says this. This is Paul speaking, and Pete, Paul says to the people of Athens, and again, he uses an exclamation mark. I love pointing those out because it means he's stating this with power. He says, People of Athens, exclamation mark. I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. Now he's about to proclaim to you something. He's, here's what he's proclaiming. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands, and if he needed anything, rather he himself gives everyone life, 
and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did, th did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of you, your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Now I love that statement at the end where he, sa where he says, though he is not far from any one of us. But then verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. That's powerful there. In him we live. In him we live, we move, we have our very being of life. But what I wanted to focus on as we wrap up is that top part. The people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with inscription to an unknown God. He says they're ignorant in their faith. And I just think about ourselves. Are we ignorant in our worship to God? We claim to be worshipers of the God, the Father Almighty, but do we truly know what we believe? Can we tell somebody what we believe? Are we ignorant? Are we making things of worship that are not meant to be things of worship in our life? Are we worshiping that which is right? The creed is singular and personal. And when we say, I believe, it's not my parents believe this or we believe, but it's I believe. There's been studies that this is why so many people leave the faith after college. It's because they, they get out of college and they realize, I don't know what I believe. We need to help our young ones, our kids, to be brought up in the knowledge of the Lord and to know what they believe and for them to grasp onto these foundational truths of God's word that it's not just what we believe, but help them to understand it so that it can be what they believe as well. Pray for our kids too. Don't forget about that. Pray for your children. Pray with your children. Pray for your spouses. Pray with your spouses. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your friends. Pray for the world. Matt Chandler says this in his sermon about this series. He says, the lines of the creed aren't mere words. They convey the essence of what we confess and believe as the body of Christ. What do we believe? You see, the, the Apostles' Creed gives us something to stand upon and believe together in. But we recognize that the power behind these statements lead us straight into God's word which is where the true power comes from. The Apostles' Creed is like that moon. It reflects the light of sun, which is the word of God. So as the worship band comes up to close us in our final song, let's stand together and let's read these statements together, claiming, professing what we believe. And on the count of three, let's just say these things together. One, two, three. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty. 
whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the foreverness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That Mark 9, 24 at the beginning said, I believe, help my unbelief, and the Father brought a child to Jesus for healing. And the Father, he admits, I believe, but help my unbelief. And we too, I think, we should pray to God every day, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Lord, help me in my weakness. Help me to, to recognize the power that you have in being the Father, God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and earth. Help us to believe in recognizing the true power of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again to forgive us of our sins. We have a great power here, but we need to recognize what we believe. We need to know what we believe. We need to profess what we believe. shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine, will be 
such great words to wrap up the service with. You are forever mine. You know, we are forever God's, and he is forever ours. And what an amazing thing that is for us to be able to claim, for us to be able to say. But maybe you're here today and you're thinking, my life doesn't feel that way. Maybe you're thinking, I've never given my life to Christ. I've never admitted that I'm a sinner in need of a cross, in need of Jesus. Today's the day to, to trust Jesus as your Savior. Admit to him, I need you. Maybe you've done that and you just still feel like you need help. It's never too late to run to Christ, run to God, and ask for help. <clears throat> Cry out to God. I'm always here to come up to and talk to. Uh, but let's just close in prayer and we'll get to lunch. Please bow your heads. Lord, we thank you for this great day and the great joy which we have together in worshiping you with our, our bodies. Together, we believe. Together, we praise you together. We lift our voices high, and we thank you, Lord. We, we thank you that we are able to believe in the Father God Almighty. We thank you, that, Lord, that we can believe in all these things and that we can change our life for the good because of your Son, Jesus. Thank you for the freeness of the cross, the freeness of the salvation through you. And, Lord, may we all recognize that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. We're all sinners. We're all 